This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Let's talk about ghosts. Or rather, let's listen for them. I don't know about you, but I actually listen for ghosts or spirits. But looking for them with instruments and science and really hunting for ghosts? That kind of creeps me out. That is not, however, the case for everyone. Coming up, Vincent Carbone, a paranormal investigator for the Gotham Paranormal Research Society, will bring us through a real investigation at the house that Aaron Burr once lived in. And we'll actually get to hear... Hmm, something. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Vinny, it's so great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about ghosts. Let's, please. What are they? What what have your experiences been like? Um, well, the broader question as to what are they, it's, um, it, the, most specifically, it's thought to be the spirits uh, of people, human beings who have passed on. Um, that's base level as elementary as you can get. Um, my experiences have, have gone along with that theory. Um, but I always preface with that I have never been dead, so I don't know. I also don't claim to have any abilities, uh, to communicate other than with some of the equipment that I use on the investigation. So I don't have any, uh, like I said, any special abilities. I'm not able to sense them and feel them in any way um and i you know i don't know what they're thinking so i'm just a mortal with uh an interest in the paranormal so when i first reached out to you Mm -hmm. this i'd say is the first first subject matter where i am actually a bit nervous about and and a little bit scared which is really hilarious given that that I have had intuitive or psychic experiences and have connected with Mm -hmm. uh, people who have crossed over. I think it's just the idea of seeing it or or like measuring it or kind of detecting it in, in a very physical real form Mm -hmm. that, that weirds me out a little bit. So I just wanted to preface that so that, you know, you talk about your experiences. What was the first ghost encounter you had um my first experience well let me backtrack a little bit much like yourself i was always really uh i'd say concerned about uh the paranormal as a little kid you know i was scared of the dark um and the concept of ghosts really scared me uh, you know as a child uh but yet i was dumb and i was really i really attracted to them as well i was you know, i gravitated toward that whole genre you know i loved the ghost stories and stuff like that and it goes back to the psychological element that i often talk about on investigations you know why is this something that we do why in 2017 is this something that we still have an interest in um 
And there's a lot of psychological aspects to that. Um, it's the same reason why we go on roller coasters and go to scary movies or, you know, whatever, you know, go, you know, jumping out of airplanes. Um, it's, it's that sense of accomplishment, I think, uh, that attracts certain people to it. Adrenaline. Um, it's often the notion that they have to get confirmation on an experience that they've had, much like myself. Uh, or they're a skeptic and they want to prove that there's no such thing, which, you know, that's fine. I love uh, engaging with skeptics as well. For myself, though, um, it, there was a very specific uh, moment in my life in which it went from uh, a passing interest to something that I needed resolution on. And um, it's when I was in college. I worked uh, several jobs just to make extra money. I was going to school upstate New York um, in Rochester. And I, one of the jobs that I had was I, every, every week, like one or two nights a week, I would sit at a desk in the lobby of my dorm and I would check people in coming into the building. And we would have to sit there from 10 o'clock at night to three in the morning. And you would just have to check their IDs to make sure they lived in the building. If they didn't, you would just have to get their name. Um, so in the event that there was ever an emergency, university police would be able to identify who was in the building at what time. Um, so I remember it was a, I believe it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. It was very quiet and it was after midnight. And um, like I said, so I was sitting at the desk and the way that the lobby was arranged was there was two doors that you would have to like scan your card to come into the building. Um, and then you would walk straight down this very narrow, short hallway to get to where my desk was. To the left was a men's room and a women's room. And then to the right of me was a much bigger, like, uh, common common area, common space. And then uh, two elevators. And then down the hallway was a stairwell. Um, and my back was up against the corner of a glass office that the RAs would work in during the day. So, um, so anyway, as I said, it was like... A, it was a quiet night after midnight and I needed something from the office. So I got up, I walked around the corner to the door, saw that it was locked. I came back around to get the keys off the desk in that three seconds that it took me from, you know, took me to get up, walk to the door, come back. What I could hear was what sounded like water running like a faucet. And at first I, first I thought it was a bathroom. Then I knew that there was no one in there because I had been there for a couple of hours already. And, no, I know no one was in the bathroom. Um, and oddly enough, no one ever used those bathrooms, really. It was like people just kind of forgot that they existed. Um, but regardless, so I sat there and I listened a little bit more, and I thought it was like the wind and the trees. And then I got a little closer to the bathroom, and in fact was the faucet had turned on in the men's room. So I, op you know, I opened the door, turned the light, I turned the light on because it was off, and the faucet was turned on. And it wasn't one of these automatic ones. It was one of these like with the knobs on them. Turned it off, called my roommates. They came down. I explained the situation. They laughed at me. And then the rest of the night, the elevators kept coming down and opening up, coming down, opening up, and there was no one on them. Now, okay, let's say that that was just people pressing the button, whatever. Um, same thing happened to another night desk attendant a few weeks later, a, a girl. Then we found out that uh, back in the 90s, a RA had hanged himself in the stairwell just bit behind where I was sitting. So really interesting set of circumstances that led to that moment. Um, as I do on my investigations, I don't claim that that was a thousand percent something paranormal, but it was, 
it was the moment in which I said, okay, I need resolution on this. And that's kind of what got me into it. Um, and that's why I'm here today. <laughs> One question that came up for me. Yes. Was the faucet actually turned? Or was the water it was just like on? It was round knobs. So okay. it wasn't like... It, there it wasn't was no the directional, heart, like, okay. you know, point of reference on the knobs themselves, but it was just like, if I'm remembering correctly, I was actually up at my college for a reunion this past summer and I meant to stop in and I didn't because I want to take photographs. I'm probably going to do it when I go up in a, in a few months. But um, I've also been meaning to call the building and say, hey, have you guys ever had any weird experiences? Because there's, you know, as with any longstanding structure or whatever the case or institution, they can they tend to inherit uh ghost stories and stuff like that and i remember um when i was a freshman we snuck into the oldest building on campus me and a bunch of guys and cuz we heard that there was a ghost so we go in there and it was v straight up scooby doo it was like um a couple of like sneaking sneaking through the hallway and we could hear like a piano playing very loudly which was odd because it was during the summer and um it was really late. So, I, you know, I'm sure there was just someone practicing because it was the dance uh, department. But um, so that, you know, that when I got to college, it was always like this thing of like, ooh, I wonder if there's ghosts on this campus. And then you'd always hear stories and stuff like that, especially with the building that I lived in, um, Briggs Hall. I went to uh, I went to college at Brockport. Um, and Briggs Hall was one of the high rises, one of the last buildings to be built. So, yeah. Did you feel uncomfortable yeah, sharing absolutely. your experience to other people. Um, kinda. I mean, but I, I more wanted to tell the story. I didn't want to keep it to myself. Um, but you know, the guys that I told it to and that I've since told it, you know, told many people. Um, you know, I no, I don't feel uncomfortable telling. It. And the other thing of it, I want to point out is that the story has never changed. When you hear a lot of people tell tell their experiences, and it kind of it tends to grow. It tends to uh, you know adapt and, and change and alter my story has been the same uh, since the day it's happened and i tell it the exactly same way that i remember it um and i do believe that in in a majority of claims um it's either fabricated embellished or misinterpreted and that's something again that on investigations i, I talk about and it's kind of like a giant game of telephone um, I could tell you I had this experience and then a week later you hear it again and all of a sudden things were flying around the room, people were levitating and, you know, so um, if that ever happens, that, I mean, that's that's great evidence, but uh, I've yet to have that happen. The most, the craziest thing that's happened to me has been at, uh, was in, in, that, in that dorm room, yeah. You talk about resolution mm -hmm. as the motivator for the the paranormal investigation work that you do now what what did you think resolution meant to you like what 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 does that look like and do you think you've obtained it uh well i often joke that the day i see a full-bodied apparition is the last day i investigate because i'll have accomplished what i set out to do um of course this is something that you know i see a lot of people go on their investigations for the first time and they get hooked and they want to, they keep coming back. They want to do more. They want to learn more. Um, so I guess it's just, a, it's just, it's gaining a higher understanding, a better understanding 
of this topic. And that could be for anything. Um, that's why people go to school and do various things in their lives uh, to feel fulfilled. Um, for me, as I said, this was something that I've been obsessed with my entire life. And then, in fact, I had the moment in which I went from just passive observer to active participant. Um, so I think I don't know if I'll ever have that moment. I often wonder how long will I want to do this? Um, is this something 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I'm still going to be into? I don't see why I wouldn't be. Um, but as I said, it's just, it's just, it's like grasping, you know, you're constantly looking for something, you know, you get a little bit of evidence and that keeps you in. Um, and I often joke on investigations that you'll never see a group of people so excited to see like a door kind of swing open or a <laughs> creak or uh, a, a blip on a K2 meter, you know, to them, that's, that's, you know, magic. Um, but so I don't know. I, I, I think it's just base level, just trying to get a better understanding as to that experience that I've had and, and understanding experiences other people have had as well. I know you lead investigations and you also do kind of a, a ghost hunting 101 type workshops. Mm -hmm. um, can you walk us through what happens during these, um, during the actual investigation, not necessarily the workshops that you do for mm -hmm. the general public, but what, what do you, what are the steps that you take when you first enter a space or even before then. So do you want to know for when I lead them for people or like when I lead um, the workshop or when I do it on my own with my group? Maybe on your, on your own with the group. Okay. Let's so because they are very different, but basically yeah. any, uh, any good investigator should try to get, um, should try to get some historical context as to the, the location. So you understand time frame, residence, things like that people who would have been there, who you may be contacting, communicating with. Um, so once you do that research, you go in and the most important thing is to, is to operate with the utmost respect. Um, you know, you don't, you know, you have to, especially when you're in a, a historical location. Um, so you show up, you find out the do's and don'ts, what you're, you know, what you can do, where you can't go, where you can investigate, what's allowed. Um, and once you have those parameters, um, you break out the gear and depending on, uh, the group, uh, they could have anything from just a couple of K2 meters. Um, and what is a so K2? a K2 meter also known as an EMF detector. It measures electrical magnetic fields. So any, uh, fluctuations in EMF levels, um, it's going to detect. Um, that's not necessarily, necessarily saying that it's, that's there definitely a ghost there. But the idea is that spirits manipulate uh, energy and electricity. Um, so when you see that fluctuation, when it's been at a certain level, like a base level, you, so most of them are either digital readouts on a on a screen or they come in a um, it's like a handheld device. It kind of, it basically looks like a remote control, except that at the top it has these uh, dots, uh, these plastic dots that light up whenever something passes by it. And they start at green and they go all the way to red. So it goes green, I think yellow, orange, red. Um, and the idea is that when you're in a location and it starts to fluctuate, it should have been the same level the entire time. And the way I demonstrate how they work is I put it near like a fan while it's running, um, like an oscillating fan or computer or something like that. And it shows you how it immediately picks up that EMF level. 
Um, so that's what that is. is um, and so it could be, you know, just a few simple devices like that. Flashlights, of course. Um, teams with a little more money behind them or have invested some more time into this. Um, we'll have things like infrared cameras, could have REM pods, which is basically a round uh, electrical device that has an antenna on it, and it picks up static electricity. So anytime something goes near the antenna, the there ha it has these tiny bulbs on the on the top, and they light up as it gets closer. And the the it also has a an audible pitch to it as well, so it the 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 tone goes higher as well. Um, so you get those out, you make sure that you put in all brand new batteries so that if anything dies, you know that it's not the batteries, um, unless you buy cheap batteries, that's why you have to invest <laughs> in good batteries. But, uh, yeah, you just break out the tools and the misconception with, with ghost hunting or paranormal investigating is people like when they come on to the investigations that I lead, um, they're expecting, well, sometimes they're expecting what they see on TV. Um, and there's various paranormal investigative reality shows on TV right now. And what I explain, or, you know, just now I'll explain the differences with those shows. They're, they'll be there for like 12 hours, two days, three days sometimes. And they're filming a ton of material. And when they actually go on the investigation, you know, they're invest, they're filming that entire time, hoping to capture something. And so what happens is they eventually will edit that down to 42 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever it is, for an hour-long broadcast because you have to figure in for commercial time as well. And then they throw in some you know, editing and some spooky music, and then you or I could have a, a paranormal show just as easily as they do. Um, so a lot of it is, is dismantling what that actually – what that is compared to what we do. And what we do is a lot of ghost hunting is just sitting in a dark room for a long time, waiting for something to happen, asking Sarah, you know, several questions, uh, doing EVP sessions, which stands for electrical voice phenomena. So that's it could be as simple as on your on your phone using a digital recorder and just asking a series of questions and then going back and listening. So a lot the other portion of it happens after you leave the location. It's um, going back and listening to evidence. And um, just analyzing what you capture. So, you know, you could be there maybe two hours, maybe five hours. Um, so that's basically it. Moving quietly, um, just communicating with the team. Um, yeah, and seeing seeing what happens. Fascinating. Yeah, well, to some people it is. Other people <laughs> think it's silly, but... I think it's fascinating. We're going to continue talking more about paranormal investigation, and you're actually going to hear a real EVP. Stay with us. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser. To receive a 25% discount on headphones, microphones, and other high-end audio products, visit sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN at checkout. That's MOUTHMEDIA.com. 
S-E-N-N. Vinny, you talked about how you recorded an EVP that you wanted to share with us. What was the context of that? Where were you? What was going on? Okay, so uh, I was actually investigating with my uh, the team that I'm a part of called Gotham Paranormal Research Society. Um, and for those who might know what this means is that we're a part of uh, an organ- a larger organization called TAPS, which is Transatlantic Paranormal Society. Um, some of some people may know TAPS from the TV show Ghost Hunters on Sci-Fi. Um, but we are the New York family of TAPS. And so we were investigating at the Morris Jamel Mansion, which is the oldest house in Manhattan. And it just so happens to be where I work as the uh, public programming and events manager. And that's where I have the uh, monthly uh, investigations open to the public. Um, but we were doing a private investigation just for us. And the this clip uh, was captured in Aaron Burr's bedroom. It also would have been the bedroom of Stephen Jamel um, and also Roger Morris, the gentleman who built the house. Um, so what you're going to hear is within the first three seconds of of the clip. And it's actually a video uh, that our team lead, uh, her name is Angela, that she captured. Um, and she sent us this video about a week or so after the investigation when she was going through all of the evidence. And we can't believe what we what we heard, uh, because what you'll see in the video is that none of us react uh, when it happens. Um, and so this is the definition of an EVP. It's a sound that's captured on a recording that we don't hear in real time, but we hear after the fact. So it's within the first like three or four seconds or so. Let's see if anything turns out. Should we go to uh, Washington room? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good spot. I think you. that's far enough away. And I'll set up my laser grid facing down like we've done before. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So so I heard it, and and you're right. No one no one responded. In fact, I didn't even know like what what exactly to look for, like not right. being familiar with this, and. It sounded I couldn't make out the words of what they were saying. So do you do you go back and look at it so, and yeah, try to figure that, out what like, it the, actually means? That's part of the process in that a lot of people, you know, we can all agree that we hear something, but often there'll be a lot of interpretations of what's heard. Um when I first heard it, I thought it said, uh, he doesn't love you. See if anything turns out. Most people think it says they're going to laugh at you. Some variation of that. Um, and this goes along with this notion of pareidolia, which is very a very common um, thing in paranormal investigating. And it's, this, uh, it's the power of suggestion. Um, and meaning I could say on an investigation, oh, I think I see a, a person standing in the doorway, right? And if I say that enough, with a lot of, you know, emphasis, someone might start to believe me after a while. Um, it's when you also start to transform things, things that you see here into something that's familiar to you. Um, a very common example of it is when you look at uh, like a building and you see a face and you got the two windows 
you get like a win, you know, another window that makes it like the nose and then the doorway looks like the mouth. That's you're making it, your brain is making it something that's familiar to you. So with things like this, we do the same thing. We hear something and we want to, we want to put into a category. We want to try to figure out what the words are. So with all that said, I don't know what it's saying. I think I know what it's saying. Um, but then with the context of the room, you know, I, I'm not really sure. What are the other things that you kind of mentally check off? Like it could on, on one side of the spectrum, it could actually be a voice mm -hmm. saying actual words. And then what exists on the other side that you as investigators look at? So any good investigator should debunk as much as possible. A good investigator should rely on the evidence that's given to them, not the evidence that they want to collect, right? So I'm not going to take a situation or a piece of evidence or, you know, an experience and transform that into, that was definitely something paranormal. You have to try to dismantle that. You have to try to, you know, decipher what you're experiencing. So on one hand, I could say, okay, that's a, that's a, a voice of a spirit uh, that we captured that's trying to say something to us. The other side of it is, could it be sound from the street? Could it be a cat outside? Could it be any number of things? And when you eliminate the possibilities that, well, I know what I, I know having working in the building every day, I know what sounds from the street sounds like. I know that the park was locked up. I know that that sound sounded like it was right on top of the camera. It didn't have an echo to it. Um, so it's nothing that's like downstairs or anything like that. And I know it's no one on the team. The other interesting part of that, a few minutes later, we were all on the second floor and down on the first floor, we had a REM pod, which is that device I said that picks up static electricity. It starts going off and it went off for a really long time for like maybe close to, I'd say at least 45 seconds, maybe even a minute. Um, and that's extremely rare. I, I've investigated a lot of places all over the country. And one of the few places I've ever had a REM pod go off was at the mansion. Um, we were also doing something called a Singapore effect in which we were reenacting or recreating a scenario that would have been synonymous with the spirit's lifetime. So that evening, you may notice that there was a gentleman sitting in that striped chair holding a guitar. You're probably wondering why the hell does he have a guitar and a ghost on, right? Um, it's very common to do, use things like music to invoke spirits, uh, to invoke activity. Um, and so that night, the, that gentleman was singing a few songs, um, and it was kind of a, the idea of in, not only entertaining the spirits, but also recreating the fact that this house did have a lot of parties. Um, the parlor downstairs has a piano in it and, you know, would have had people singing, um, Eliza Jamel herself was a singer. She was an actress. So it's not too far-fetched to, to do that with the idea of trying to get activity from them. And what do you think is the th theory behind that? That is it that the ghosts or spirits are, uh, I are think listening? It's, I think they're just, they're happy to hear something that's familiar to them. Um, I mean, if I was dead and I was somewhere, stuck somewhere, whether by choice or by whatever the reasons are that spirits get stuck somewhere, 
um, I think it'd be a welcome surprise that if someone was coming in and singing uh, in that in that location, um, you know, what do you think? There, there. I don't know. There's something about sound, and maybe it's just how the vibrations are. I'm just kind of thinking about how universal music is mm -hmm. among human beings, living human right. beings, and that there may be something special about about sound that kind of transcends different dimensions. If 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 we were to think that those spirits are not operating in a different dimension and they're still able to um, perceive our realm. Just me yeah. spouting. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, I think you're onto something there because, you know, they, they may not understand what we're talking about, the way we're dressed. They may not understand these things that we're holding in our hands and stuff like that, but they they know what a melody is. They know what, what sounds like music. You know, it might be interesting to them that it's gonna it's going to solicit some kind of uh reaction, whether negative or positive or indifferent. So I think it might be something like that. Um again, these are just theories. Um that it's like I said, we 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 operate with these theories and and we don't really know what we're gonna get. Um, as I said, I've never been dead, so I don't know what to expect. I've, I have here a note that I wrote down a while ago. It says, what is paranormal? And I, and I have the study of activity outside the norms of understood science, right? So I think too often, especially for skeptics, they rely solely on science. And if, if it doesn't fit within this mold, then it can't be considered. And yeah, okay. But also a couple hundred years ago, we thought the world was flat and some people still do. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just because it hasn't been discovered yet. That doesn't mean it's, it's, it's not going to be discovered. Coming up next, you'll hear more of this story. We'll be right back. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Vinny, those 45 seconds that you mentioned, mm -hmm. which you said was unusual activity, what what do you think was going on there? Because you said it was on a different floor right? and that you typically don't see at least the duration of that kind of static electricity activity. Right. Yeah. So as I said, we were on the second floor of the house at the mansion and 
um, we had the gentleman had been playing the guitar. He'd started out downstairs, and then we moved upstairs. And then once we'd moved upstairs, after being up there for a while, we, we heard the REM pod going off. And what's interesting is that we just had an investigation on Halloween, and the same thing happened. The REM pod went off again on the first floor while we were on the second floor. And my idea is that um, because at the end of the day, when we lock up and we go to leave, right as we're about to leave, we exit, we exit through the basement of the house. And um, quite often, we'll hear a lot of activity above us in the dining room, um, things like that. And on investigations, we end in the basement because, and again, we'll hear muffled voices. We'll hear furniture moving, things like that. My idea is that it's kind of like the spirits think we've left and now they can come out, right? Uh, it's like, it's like, okay, the coast is clear. They're out of the space. We can, we can, we can move again, again. Just an idea based upon the evidence and the circumstances that have been presented to me. It could be totally wrong, but it kind of goes along with that. And that's the tricky thing about this field is that, you know, you can, you can only make you can only make assumptions based off of the evidence that's given to you and that's not given to you as well. But with that said, it's dangerous to jump to conclusions as well. Um, so I think what's what was happening was they heard what was happening, they liked it, and they were starting to come out and make their presence known. I think it was as simple as that. In that vein, then, do you find more activity if you were to just leave the instruments and the equipment recording and everyone isn't there physically in the room? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, again, that, that happens often as well. That's why... Now that we have this REM pod, we just leave it on the first floor and we, we walk away from it. And we want to see if it's if if activity, if what we're doing in other rooms solicits activity elsewhere throughout the house. So, yeah. Have you ever done it for days or, or just a, de like a very long period of time where you just leave instruments? Well, the recording? investigations are about three hours long. So that's okay. probably as long as we leave them out because eventually we have to go home. Um <laughs> Um, so I think the longest we'll go is about three hours or so, leaving a device on and seeing what happens. I'm fascinated by the equipment mm -hmm. in part because we're, we're in a podcasting studio and right. a lot of it is audio and, and, you know, there's, there's that kind of technical aspect to it. Right. And at the same time, there's that electrical factor and, and from my experience, having developed intuitive senses increasingly over time, I would say that my sensitivity to electrical charge has heightened to the point where, um, let's say I'm having a conversation with someone and I feel that we are very al aligned in some way, like on a deep soul level, right. whether it's the topic of conversation or the person, I might feel um, sort of like goosebumps, but I'd say even stronger where it feels like a sort of an electrical wave mm -hmm. go through my body and it kind of ends at my crown chakra, which is just mm -hmm. on top of my head. I might feel a light buzzing sensation either in the middle of my head or on top of my head. And so now I use that as an input to, to kind of 
almost like, you know, if you were rationally looking at someone and thinking, oh, their body language or what they say, you know, I'm going to, you know, make a certain set of judgments based on that. I will use this as an additional input saying, okay, this is a conversation I should be having, or this is a person that, you know, I really should be, you know, furthering the conversation with. So, and I say that because the electricity sensitivity I didn't expect to happen. And and I think all of us as human beings are capable of feeling that. So the equipment that you use detect that. And it may you may or may not have people on your team who can sense, you know, people always say, My goose like I felt goosebumps when something like a ghost went by or just something, you know, un non traditional happened. How do you how do you see that um, happening with the equipment? And also, I'm just thinking like forward looking. Like, what more can we detect? What more? What what other kinds of equipment do you think are necessary to to detect the things that we may not even know about yet? Right. So. Um... To go back to what you were saying about when you're having, when you feel this, you know, this connection to someone that's, you know, as some would say, that's just, you know, the rules of attraction. Um, when we're attracted to someone, whether it be for a romantic situation or friendship, or even, you know, we're attracted to people that we can't stand. There's something that we gravitate toward them because it's like, all right, on a subconscious level, this person, this person challenges me and all that I stand for and I believe in, and I think it's important that we that we check ourselves and that we have those people and things in our lives to make us question ourselves because that's how we fortify what we believe in as well and that goes that relates to what we do what I do um as far as the tools uh itself you know like I said we use pretty basic material k2 meters emf detectors the rem pod um flashlights very common stuff uh i also use a laser grid pen which literally looks like a pen but you turn it on and it has this broadcast of like these green dots it's kind of like a, a kaleidoscope that you could change the broadcast of them as well and the idea is if anything moves in front of it you're going to see a disturbance in that broadcast um and then you could go further with like um infrared cameras uh, uh night vision cameras things like that things that see in multiple lights that we don't, that we can't. Um, and then there's things like what's called a paranormal puck or simply it's a, dev- it's a speaker that you attach to either your phone or another radio device. And uh, it's the idea is that it scans through white noise. It scans through static and um, it goes back and forth. And the idea is that it's going to pick up words that the spirits are trying to communicate to you now the thing my i have an issue with things like that especially there's other devices like apps for your ipad or phone um that are meant to be used for paranormal investigating my problem is this is that and i always say this unless i'm missing something there's not a ghost somewhere in a lab that someone's caught they make a device and then they test it on that ghost and then they say, okay, great, sell for 40 bucks on Amazon. You know what I mean? So the devices that we use, I know what they do. 
I know what a K2 meter does. It wasn't actually made for ghost hunting. It was made for plumbers and electricians mm -hmm. to look for faulty wires in the walls. Um, you know, I know what the, the what the REM pod does. I know what the uh, laser grid pen does because I have eyes. I can see what it does, right? When it gets a little weird for me, if there is such a thing in this field, where it gets a little weird for me is when you start to relying on the manufacturer telling you what it's going to do. Meaning, yeah, if you turn on this thing, it's going to pick up a spirit's voice. How do I know that? I also know how a radio works, right? I, I also know that, you know, that AM and FM, you're going to pick up static. You're going to pick up, you know, jumbled up words from stations that you can't get in clearly. Um, and again, it goes back to that thing of pareidolia. You know, you hear a bunch of phrases or a bunch of what syllables and you make that into a word that you want. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, we got a, a spirit's voice communicating with us. Or you're picking up a station in Connecticut that's not coming in clearly. Um, so as far as the future of tools and, and, and equipment, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be more, uh, more um, photo-based, more visual-based, um, as well as I think – Anything that, again, measures electricity. I think people will soon get tired of the at the advent of this, you know, these uh, these apps and stuff like that. I think people are going to be like, all right, this was fun for a gag. But, you know, like the ghost radar is another one. It's supposed to tell you how many ghosts in the area. I don't think <laughs> Apple is really big into the paranormal field, but apparently they are, according to some of these apps. So I think that's where the future of it's going to go. I often always say that sometimes the best tools is just your eyes and your ears and to keep an open mind. Um, yeah. I also want to point out people often ask, why do you have to go on a ghost hunt at night? You don't. Um, they do that a lot of times for because for dramatic effects on TV, it makes for good television. But often it's when you're using things like IR cameras or night vision cameras, things like that, that you can't use during the day. Um uh, at least not as well as you could use them at night. So that's why most of those shows take place at night. But yeah. To wrap this up, you had said you would find that resolution when you see a disembodied ghost right, right. in front of you. Right. Can you imagine that that actually happens? Let's say tomorrow. Right. You, go, you go to work at this mansion right. and... And you see one for the first time. Uh -huh. What do you think you would feel and think, and, and like, what would your what would your sensation be like? What what would your emotions be like in that moment? Well, um, of course, it would be shock, and then it would be quickly followed by uh, fear and excitement. Uh, often, I've had people on investigations who were complete skeptics. Something happens. And they start laughing and crying at the same time. It's because the brain can't decipher which one to feel first. It's just that initial shock. Um, of course, if I was to see anything like that, that you know, that prominent, it would just further me down the rabbit hole of this of this business. Uh, you know. Oh, so you wouldn't stop. I, what you're I doing. most likely would not stop. <laughs> I would, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd want more and more, and that's a, that's the addictive nature of this. Um, but, uh, people often ask, you know, 
well, how come you've never seen a ghost then? If you're so actively looking for this, how come you haven't seen anything? I say, well, one, you know, because I've had other experiences that keep me in it. But also, I, I give this analogy. Seeing a ghost is a lot like walking through the woods and getting caught in a thunderstorm. In that the circumstances were just right in that moment for it to present itself and for that storm to, to manifest and to happen. Doesn't mean it's going to happen again tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month. It might go through a drought, but for whatever reason, the circumstances have to be right for these things to happen. Um, and that's, that's what happens. You know, it's also important to know the difference between residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings. Residual is the report of, I see this woman in a white dress cross the hallway every night, right? An intelligent haunting is, I'm sitting here at my K2 meter and my, my digital recorder, and I'm asking a series of questions. And then we go back and we have these responses on the digital recorder. That's an intelligent haunting. It's directly responding to what's happening with you, what, what you're doing, what you're asking. Um, so in answer to your question, I think it would be shock followed by fear, followed by excitement, all pretty much at the same time. Well, one thing I know is that I purposefully intend and ask, I do not ever want to see a disembodied ghost. Right. Well, that's fine. I, I don't mean, want to see one, right. but in part, there is definitely a, a sense of curiosity of what, what would happen if I saw one, right, and well, and, that well, yeah. the one thing that I will say is that when when I when we have these investigations, it's not meant for fear or shock value. It's meant to be informative. It's a complete lecture, and it's not at all meant to scare people. People often think that that's the point. It's not. Nothing that we do is staged. Nothing is hoaxed. What you see is what you get. I'd rather nothing happen. We have a really cool. Uh, conversation about the paranormal for a few hours and you get to check out a location. Um, but that's kind of the other thing of what I'm trying to do as long as I'm doing this is to get rid of this notion that it's silly. Uh, you know, I had a friend who said to me once on the phone, he was like, he goes, I got to ask it. He goes, are you really, are you serious about all this ghost stuff? Or is this just like a gag or whatever? I said, no, I'm serious. He goes, oh, well, I thought you were smarter than that. I was like, oh, well, good for you you know like what am i supposed to say to that so <laughs> trying to trying to dispel that right yes right well this is a fascinating conversation yes how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your work and the the investigations that you lead right so if you want to uh, check out where i work where we have the monthly investigations you could go on to morrisjamel.org um that's the as i said that's the oldest house in manhattan it's a historical house museum uh, me personally you can get in touch with me uh through my website vincentcarbone.net um i'm also an actor and director um so that's that's like my online portfolio but if you want to get in touch with me there you can do that um, or if you want to get in touch with Gotham Paranormal Research Society, just go online and we're, we're there too. You can find us there. Well, Vinny, it's so great to have you on the show and to share some insights on these investigations. I really hope to actually go on one. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And for you, our listeners, 
think about what you might want to investigate. Maybe actually check out this mansion and learn a bit more about ghost hunting. I know many of you secretly have that wish. All right, until the next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities <laughs> and ghosts. <laughs>